Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about privatized banking basics and how it improves every area of your financial life. We're going to give you an overview so that you can understand one of the most profound premium financial tools. And really, we're going to unpack this golden key, show you what it is, and how it unlocks and improves every other area of your financial life. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel, and this is Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, This is uh, kind of a culmination of a lot of things we've been talking about, and I think the listeners ought to to really focus on the concepts of this and try to really open up their minds and listen to the podcast from the beginning to end in a conceptual nature, and then later on, we'll break it down piece by piece. Yes, and I think that's really well said. So let's set the stage for today's conversation. Now, we know that as an entrepreneurially minded business owner who has a lot of financial goals, you also have financial needs. And we're going to start with those needs because any process or system or product or even strategy in your life doesn't mean anything unless you know what you need. And then we find a way to solve that need. So you want a financial system that puts you in control. You want something that's going to give you confidence and certainty. You want to have something that allows you to invest in what you understand and what matters most to you. Now, you don't just want something that hopefully maybe will work out and it's stringing you along every year and maybe you'll get good returns and maybe you won't. You really want that control and certainty instead. Now, on the other hand, you're not looking for a magic bullet. I mean, If you're in business, you know that everything is not magic. Nothing just comes automatically. And magic bullets usually don't end up panning out. You really want something that's going to work for the long haul and work as long as you live, improving over time, like business and like a fine wine. Now, privatized banking is a golden key that really improves every other area of your financial life. It helps you pay less taxes. It gives you more access to your capital. You have more safety, more growth on your liquid money, and it gives you contractual guarantees. And what that does is all of that translates to having more peace of mind. So you can really perform at your highest level in your life and your business. So this conversation is going to give you a fresh perspective on this historically sound asset. It's going to really move this this asset from being almost a relic or an ancient thing to resurfacing as a modern marvel. It's going to move from being this boring one-dimensional insurance product to really seeing it as the innovative architecture of almost like a Swiss army knife. And it's going to help you cut through the myth and controversy and really see the power of this asset as a financing and wealth creation engine. Now we're going to answer for you, what is privatized banking? Why is it a better place to store my cash? How does it put me in control? How does it improve my financial efficiency? And how does it speed up, speed up my path 
to time and money freedom. So this concept, privatized banking, is really just one step in the bigger survival to significance cash flow system. So as we zoom out, we realize that there's three levels. In stage one, we're keeping more of our money. Stage two, we want to protect our money. Stage three, we want to increase and make more. Privatized banking fits smack dab in the middle, in the protection element. It's almost like the peanut butter to your cash flow sandwich, if you want to think of it that way. It is between the two layers of cash flow. It's between increasing and making more. And it really helps you be more efficient with keeping more of your money and be more efficient with making more money. And so it helps your cash flow not just be two slices of bread, but really an actual sandwich. So let's dive in to this concept. So Bruce, we kind of talked a little bit in the beginning about what someone wants in their financial life. But let's connect this back to several of the ideas that we've been building upon over the last year in the podcast about some of the things that are really important to business owners. So Rachel, what we're really trying to do in this uh, podcast is to have a combination of helping people, uh, whether they're business owners or people uh, that are W-2 employees in their own personal life, because, you know, frankly, business owners have their own personal life too, actually look at their financial life differently. Whether you're a business owner or you're um, an individual, what you really want to do is create cash flow from assets like real estate, businesses, and you want to build time and money freedom. Even people that aren't in business, they want to buy, want to build time and money freedom. And so when you no, do, absolutely. yeah. So when you do that, really, we're big components of. You have to have an emergency um, savings account between three and six months. So you need savings. You need that uh, safe money with guaranteed with guarantees, and you have to be able to uh, access it to handle emergencies. I would call this fifteen minute money. Yes, and that's that combines in with this idea that we talked about before of also wanting to be your own bank, and part of that comes down to owning and controlling your capital, and it also allows you to earn interest like the bank does and be able to use leverage. But one of the problems that we see when it comes to owning and controlling our capital is that we feel like we're not getting much of a return mm -hmm. on that money, right? So we're looking for this place that we can have liquid money that we can access, but that's growing more than a 0. 0.0 nothing percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I call it the new normal. And people say, well, interest rates are creeping back up. But I do not believe they're creeping back up in the banks like they are in the uh, the treasury um, the treasury bills, and that is because banks have realized that for almost ten years now, people have been putting or storing money in banks when they were getting basically a zero percent rate of return. So why do they have to raise interest rates? Um, up a whole lot. Now, there's still competition between the banks, but uh, the banks are pretty well capitalized uh, mm -hmm. and so that they don't have to necessarily get into a free market situation. So I think it's a three, it's a, it's a new normal kind of situation. Right. And so people are looking for how do I store that liquid cash where I can still access it and use it, but that's 
earning something for me in the meantime, while it's sitting there waiting to be used in maybe another opportunity. And I'm storing up my cash in this opportunity fund for maybe it's investing in real estate, or maybe it's investing back in your business or buying another business, but you need a place to store that cash that it's doing something for you. Mm-hmm. And you also want to be able to get that uninterrupted compound interest. I mean, we talked about the value of being able to ride up that compound interest curve over time and not keep resetting the compounding and shortchanging your ability to create long-term wealth with that cash that you're holding. But we can't do that in a bank for the most part. No, not, I mean, because every time you access that capital, you're interrupting it. So right. you're getting the compound interest, but then when you go use it somewhere else, you're in, you're actually interrupted, interrupting that. So what really you, we were trying to do is have a place to hold cash while we're waiting for opportunities such as real estate, marketing your business, uh, acquiring uh, another business, or even like we said, for safety in a business situation, it's about um, going through or having enough cash on hand to go through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And then we want to, as a business owner, you want to also limit money leaks. So as much of your interest and taxes and opportunity cost as possible that we can recover or reclaim and not have that flow out the back door, that's more cash flow today, more that you can put to use to work for you for tomorrow. And that's one of your needs as a business owner to find ways to strategically and efficiently increase the cash flow that you make already today from the money that's already coming in. And ultimately, all of this really comes down to you want peace of mind. You want peace of mind for today and for your financial future. And you know the kind of mindset that puts you in that is more abundant and confident and creative, which allows you to make more money in the first place. So this is kind of the the situation that we are coming into the privatized banking conversation with. Here's all of the needs and what we need to accomplish in our financial life. And so let's talk now, Bruce, about how does privatized banking solve those problems? And again, we're kind of going to talk about the how or the why first and and how it meets our needs. And then we're going to d- dive and dig more into the mechanics as we progress on in this series. But let's talk about how it solves the problem first for safety, control, and certainty. Well, yeah, I think the, the listeners have to understand that a privatized banking is a concept. It's what you do. It's not necessarily a product that you have. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're trying to decide how how best you want to uh, design your banking function, you start looking at characteristics. Well, the first thing everybody thinks of a bank is that it's safe. You're in control. You can go get the the money whenever you'd you'd like. At least we think so. I can actually mm-hmm. talk about some situations where that's not true, and you have some some certainties. So there you there's no the risk and volatility volatility problem by having a place to store your cash where it's safe and it won't lose value. That's kind of the the foundation of of any kind of banking, whether it's commercial banking, whether it's your neighborhood bank or whether it, what we're talking about privatized banking. So we want this, we want it to be accessible. And that's, I think that goes without saying, uh, mm-hmm. you want to have this cash because you want to have this cash for emergencies and opportunities. You know, we talked to Nelson Nash last week and he's famous for opening up my eyes and he says cash finds opportunities. And I do believe that's, that's true. 
Uh, oh, yes. You want to be a good steward with your money. So instead of only financing options, the only financing options that you have uh, being financing and paying interest or paying cash and giving up the ability to earn interest, because we finance everything we do, whether you're, oh, either, absolutely. Yeah, you're either giving it up or you're, pay, you're giving up interest or you're paying interest. Um, so we really have to take that into consideration because once again, banking is a concept. It's it, but we've really fallen in this trap of thinking banking is an institution or a product of what we do, but banking is a concept. Uh, oh yes. Now, what we'd like for our privatized bank to do is uh, have higher growth than we can get at other banking institutions. Right now, you know, point zero two on a a savings account um, or a money market account is is pretty much what you can get. There are some credit unions where you may be able to get a little bit higher rate than that. But uh, really, we're looking for higher growth. We want to reduce the interest you pay instead of merely paying interest on uncollateralized uh, loans. Uh, we can actually have a collateral that reduces your financing costs and thus increasing cash flow. So that's another thing. Thing and that's this actually happens in regular banks too, where they will will lower your interest rate because they know you have the collateral in the bank. Um, right. To do that. The, these are some things that a privatized banking system can do for you in your life. And another one of them is that it can solve the debt concern. Now, if you wanted to have a secret debt-free weapon in your back pocket. This could be it. it th this is a valuable asset that gives you the option to pay off loans, which if you have more assets, then you have liabilities, you're not in debt. So it's this place where you can store capital as an asset. Now, it's also going to shrink and minimize your tax. Now, instead of the growth on your money, always incurring a tax bill inside a privatized banking system, your growth is tax deferred. It's going to shrink your tax liability and cut some of those unnecessary money leaks so you keep more of your money. And that is going to increase your business and your personal cash flow. It's also going to shrink your opportunity cost. So you, when you stop losing so many dollars on interest and taxes, you're not having to forfeit what those dollars could have done for you had you kept them. You're in more control. So instead of just keeping the dollar, you're allowing it to work for you and you're maximizing its wealth creation potential in production in your life. It's also a protection component. So it's going to protect your human life value or a portion of it, depending on how much coverage you put in force. But when you protect your human life value, you ensure that not even death can prevent you from building wealth. And this is really important for a business owner when they're looking at a buy-sell agreement or key man insurance, this protection, um, but they also have access to the cash that's in the cash value life insurance. So um, this protection also goes th to the business owner. Absolutely. So it also then allows you to recycle your money. So instead of just having dollars flow through your economy and then be gone forever and you never see them again, you're able to harness the power of the same dollars over and over again, keeping them inside your personal economy and allowing them to work for you in multiple assets over time. Now, all of this is what 
a privatized banking system can do for you that solves those needs that we talked about a moment ago. This all translates to having that peace of mind and that abundance mindset so that you have money you can access when you need it. And that really fences out worry and stress in your life. So that being said, let's talk about what a privatized banking system is. And Bruce, you really um, kind of opened the window to that a second ago when you talked about it's not a thing you have, it's really a thing you do. It's not really just a product. Let's talk about why we're not just focusing on a product. Well, because we're really looking for the strategies. And one is the first strategy you have to build up is a, is good money habits. And um, you have to actually have positive cash flow. Um, and that is looking at your cash flow awareness, whether you're in a business or whether you're in your personal economy, you're looking for what's coming in every month. And then you strategize to keep more of that um, so that you have more money than you ha- actually have month. So it's a system and a process of money management. It's not just mm-hmm. a, a financial product, but there's really two, two distinct parts. We call it specially designed life insurance contract. Uh, so you have to have a specially designed contract. Why? Because we want to maximize the cash value. And even though we think the death benefit is important, we want to keep that death benefit at a point where the IRS will allow the cash value to grow tax-free. I often say it's like a Roth IRA on steroids. So Roth IRA, if people don't know, that it grows. You pay the taxes, you put it in a Roth IRA, and then it grows tax-free. You do not have to pay taxes on the growth. Um, however, there's limitations on a Roth IRA. We could use a Roth IRA for, for privatized banking, although there's limitations. One of the limitations is um, the maximum you could put in at a certain age is $6,000 a year. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's there's liquidity problems in in that uh, because if you're not 59 and a half, you have some liquidity problems in there. So once again, we could you we could use a savings account for the same thing, um, but the concept doesn't quite work as well. So what we have found is if we have use specially designed life insurance contract, the the concept or the strategy works very very well. Uh, how do we use this? Well, the strategy is to use the, to utilize a contract and do the most with your money. And and what happens in this specially designed life insurance contract is the the capital is stored within the contract. And I always emphasize the word contract because we know what's going to happen inside a contract. So we know what the cash value, the guaranteed cash value is going to be. We know what the guaranteed cash value is going to grow. We know the loan provisions, and those are the contractual parts. The other contractual parts that are not necessarily guaranteed is because of the contract says the this is a we're going to use a mutual company, and the policy owners are part owners in this uh, company. If the company does a good job and they're good stewards with your money then a dividend will be declared every year and will be distributed to the owners of the company, which happen to be the contract holders. And so those are kind of the the parts of the contract that make it this solid foundation that you can rely and depend on. And 
that's the elements of the product that have to have that special design in order to make sure it's going to perform the best for you. So Bruce, you mentioned earlier that it's there's two parts. There's one part that's the contract, and then the other part is how you use it. I mean, it would almost be like if you bought this amazing new car, uh, I don't know, a Camaro or a Maserati or something, mm-hmm. something that you you bought and then you parked it in the garage and you closed the door and you left it in there for the next 10 years and you never took it out, you never drove it, you never transported yourself to any other place, you never showed your friends, you never let anyone see it, you never even looked at it. This would be uh, a very underutilized car, right? Mm -hmm. And it's almost the same thing that if we just have this amazing contract, which is the specially designed life insurance contract, but we don't actually use it, you're going to be really disappointed because that's not utilizing it to its fullest and getting the most benefit out of it in your life. Yeah, Rachel, maybe a better analogy if we want to keep with um, vehicles is you buy a taxi cab or you buy a a cargo van or you buy something that you could use for business and you just stick it in the garage. <laughs> right. Because here you have- You could be making money with it. You could be making money with it, yes. And, right. And so that's what we're talking about as far as these contracts, opportunity costs. You're purchasing this, purchasing this contract. You're you're storing something in this this capital in this contract. And when an opportunity comes around in your business, you or for a new business, you you access this capital by a policy loan. But the capital actually stays in there, um, and it still owns. It still earns the interest, guaranteed interest, and potential dividends while you're using your money to earn potential returns in other areas of your life. Which is really being able to get your money working in two assets at the same time. Yeah. It's like taking, so, it's like taking a taxi out of your garage and go and going to use it. Right. So I hope that you, as you're listening to this, can hear some of the, the streams and the thoughts that we have been building in this foundational work over the last year in the podcast. And if you haven't been listening, I encourage you to go back to some of the previous episodes, but we've been talking about these concepts for quite a while and building up to how do we best satisfy those needs that we have. And so it's really exciting to be able to share this concept with you and this, these strategies around privatized banking that are often missed because people aren't thinking the right way about money. And so it really comes all the way back down to principles because with you can't start with a product you can't even start with a strategy you have to start first with a way of thinking and a mindset and financial principles and once those are in place you can find the right strategies that meet those principles and once you have the right strategy in place then you can find the best tool or best product that will help you carry it out and that's why we've been spending so much time talking about the foundation and the the principles the mindset, the strategies that you want in place in your life. And now we're talking to you about the product that you can use to carry this out. So Bruce, you gave a really nice overview of what the specially designed life insurance is. Let's kind of go into a little bit more in depth, but not um, not too much mm-hmm. because we're going to be revealing and showing more about how this works in future episodes. But let's talk about some of the elements of that specially designed life insurance contract and why those are important and relevant. So go ahead. Well, I think once again, I think it really comes down to 
the concept that these are designed when you put a premium in, and I wish I wish people could think of premium as deposit because insurance mm-hmm. companies call them premiums. Bank calls them, they call them deposits. An insurance company is simply a financial institution, just like a bank is a financial institution. So the pre, um, insurance companies, they do call them premiums, but you're really making a deposit into your account, your contracted account. And then the insurance company is calculating the cost for that particular life insurance contract. And then if you design it properly, you overfunded at the beginning so that you immediately have access to cash value. And that, and depending on your needs, that cash value access can be 60 to 70% of that money in the, in the next 30 days, once the check clears, so on and so forth. And so, so that's the high cash value part of it. So you might be thinking as a listener, you might be saying, well, I didn't even know that you can get cash inside of a life insurance policy. So just a really, really high level overview. There's multiple types of life insurance. And if you're buying term insurance, that is you're, you're putting in a premium and you're getting a death benefit if you die during the term of the policy. What we're talking about utilizing a high cash value life insurance policy, that's done within a permanent or a whole life insurance policy. Now, this is going to also have the premium or the deposit. It's going to pay out a death benefit when you die because this is a policy that's in force your whole life until age 120 usually. And if if you are still alive at 120, it's going to pay out the death benefit to you and you're still alive. Now, there's multiple other types of insurance that we don't use for privatized banking because they don't have the security and guarantees within them that we really want to see. But this whole life insurance is going to have an additional component that we do not have in term insurance, and that's the cash value component, which is you're being able to access a portion of your death benefit and be able to utilize that money. Bruce, is there anything else we want to say about that? I just wanted to make sure that if somebody is coming in wondering, almost kind of the question that Nelson Nash brought up in a previous episode where he said this is almost misclassified Mm -hmm. as insurance because most people think of insurance as paying out a death benefit, but we're really talking about utilizing the cash value or the living benefits while you're alive. And that's something Kim Butler said. That's why Kim Butler says there's a reason they call it life insurance. You're, (laughs) You're using it during your life. Um, you know, so they don't call it death insurance, although there is a death benefit. The other thing right. I think we, uh, the listeners ought to, we, we believe that although there's a lo- variety of ways you can do privatized banking with, with different instruments, a whole life insurance contract with a mutual company, uh, and yes. that's participating, participating means you get to participate in the dividend payout of the company when they do well. There are stock companies that are cash valued companies. However, when the company does well, all that happens is the stock price goes up and you can own stock in that company, whether you're a policy owner or not. The policy owner doesn't reap any of the benefits. The, the, uh, the stock owner reaps the benefits. So, um, yeah, I think. Which is not 
that's not the ideal situation because with a mutual company, you're an actual owner of yes. the company. And that's why you're entitled to receive the payout of the excess or the profits that they have after they hold back their reserves, right? Correct. And then I think the other thing, and people probably get sick of me emphasizing this, but this is a contract where equities, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with equities, uh, there's no contract that says the equity is going to perform a certain way. Uh, there, right. There's risk involved. Um, uh, so this is a contract. So we have guaranteed premiums. We have guaranteed death benefits. We have guaranteed cash growth. We have guaranteed cash value. In other words, uh, once the dividend is declared or the guaranteed cash is declared, that money is also guaranteed not to go down. And mm-hmm. although, and all people say this all the time, they say, well, that's great that it's a contract, but couldn't they change the contract? Well, contract is the essence of our society. Everything we do is by contract law. Any, mm-hmm. any civilized society is based on contract law. So once you sign a contract, um, there's no precedent that says that, you know, contracts. Now, once again, for compliance reasons, I guess I could say, yes, people could uh, take a different interpretation of a particular contract. But um, these Mm -hmm. contracts are very simple, very simply stated, and they're going to pay out the way they're going to pay out. I tell people all the time. They spend millions, if not tens of millions of dollars on every page before it ever comes out with lawyers to make sure when they say guarantee, they mean it's going to be guaranteed because there's there's Mm. so many compliant lawyers out there that if they don't actually go over this with a fine tooth comb, um, they're going to get sued. So whenever they say guaranteed in this thing, they, they have gone through this over and over now. We also talk about tax-free growth and people say, well, can't that change? Well, yes, it, that could change, but there and it has changed in the past. And there has been a precedence through the modified endowment contract, and we'll get into that in the later episode. But they grandfathered every contract that was in place prior to the change in the tax code. And frankly, mm-hmm. the, the government... Officials own a lot of guaranteed insurance products, and they also see the benefit of people having insurance because if something happens to them, they don't become a benefit on. They don't become a a, a burden, a burden, right. yeah, a burden on society. So, uh, could they mm-hmm. change it? Yes. Um, will they change it? I I don't think they will. Right, and I'll point out something as well about the guarantees. You're going to see. If you look deeper into whole life insurance, you're going to see with most carriers, they're going to show you the guaranteed minimum performance of the contract. There will also then be additional pieces that can make it perform even better than the guaranteed minimum. And so when we look at the contract, there's a a bare floor and then the, the projected growth based on today's dividend environment, which that's fluctuating and and could improve or change over time. But there is always that firm foundation, that solid ground beneath you, that there is a guaranteed 
minimum performance in the contract. And it clearly spells that out. So you know what you're getting into in advance. So we talked about that we're maximizing when we utilize a privatized banking strategy, we're really interested in maximizing that cash value. And why? Why do we want to do that? It's because we want to have as much access to capital as possible. And we're storing that liquid capital so that we can use it. And Bruce, I know you always share that the cash value is kind of like equity in your home. Can you share that for our listeners here today? Yeah, I, I was taught this by a mentor several years ago because he discovered that the premium the, the premium that you pay on a monthly basis is very similar to the premium that you would pay for a house of a similar uh, cost. So if you had a, a $200,000 home, um, he realized that the premium for that was very similar to the mortgage payment. And so what mm-hmm. happened then is just like when you make a, a mortgage payment, part of that payment goes into uh, the uh, paying down the principal. So you build equity in your home. What happens in the special design life insurance, the whole life, the deposit goes in towards the death benefit and the deposit then grows your cash value, which is like growing equity in your home. Um, and this is what we talk about to people all the time because uh, we saw the downturn in the economy actually erode the equity in people's house. We say, hey, why not build the equity outside your home um, in a cash valued life insurance situation where you always could pay your home off if you wanted to, but you don't risk because there's guarantees in the insurance contract and there's no guarantee that you're going to keep the equity in your home. So, that is a good, I believe is a good analogy to building equity in your house is just like building equity in your cash value life insurance. I sincerely believe that as well. And I think it's a really easy way for us to conceptualize with something that we're really familiar with as a society, paying down a mortgage and building that equity in a house. And it's almost like you have this guaranteed equity inside the whole life insurance contract because there's there's guarantees that it's not going to drop in value. And so that's one reason that it makes it really valuable for you as having a place to store that emergency and opportunity fund and being able to access and use that cash. So a couple of things, um, three elements that we like to talk about whenever we're talking about safety or a storage place for cash and savings is safety, liquidity, and growth. So let's cover these really at a high level today and show how privatized banking with whole life insurance gives us that safety, liquidity, and growth. So safety, first of all, a whole life contract or the cash value in a whole life contract is not an investment. I want to really emphasize this. It is absolutely not an investment. It's a place to store capital and cash. It's a savings tool. You have that guaranteed no loss of principal. You have no loss or drop in cash value once the cash value is stated. And then when you add interest or dividends to your policy, the growth is then, as you mentioned, Bruce, going to set that new floor and it's never going to drop below that floor again. It's also safe from creditors, from predators, and from lawsuits. So 
that safety gives a tremendous amount of peace of mind. Yeah, we may we probably want to mention uh, here, Rachel, uh, safety from creditors is different in every state, and and different right. and different levels. So, uh, for people that are listening from different states, some of it's in some states it's completely cash values completely protected. In other states, like here in Missouri, it's only protected up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars of cash value. Good, good point. Thank you for making sure that we added that in here. So Bruce, do you want to share real briefly, how do how does the cash value of life insurance grow? Well, it grows with guaranteed interest that's stated in the contract, and then it grows for dividend payouts. And I think a lot of times people hear dividends and they think about dividend paying stocks. And, mm-hmm. and that's, and dividend paying stocks, really, it's a company that uh, brings in money, and then because the stockholders hold stock in the company, then they, if they have excess cash at the end of the quarter, the the year, it's usually it's usually the end of the year they de- declare a dividend, and they say per mm-hmm. stockholder we're going to give X amount of dollars per stockholder. Well, the same thing happens in a mutual life insurance company. It just so happens that the the policy owners are the owners. So they take in premium, they put the money to work usually in uh, government bonds, municipal bonds, and some real estate ventures, very small sliver. And when I say small sliver, I'm like less than 3% into equities. And then they figure out what it takes to run the company then they figure out what their mortality expenses are and mortality expenses are how many people died and they had to pay out those guaranteed death benefits. And then they, then right. they find out how much money they made. They take some of that money and put it into their reserves because insurance companies are capitalized at over 100% of, of the promises they have in the future where your local bank could have as little as uh, 10% uh, uh, money available. And then whatever's left after they put into the reserves, they declare a dividend and then they pay out the dividends according to the contract with the particular policy owners. And we get into, excuse me, we could get into dividends uh, payouts later on, but that's basically Mm -hmm. the excess cash that they have from running the company. Right. And and even the guaranteed interest is based on that long-term conservative investment strategy that they have, that they can say, even if the dividend is not paid out, you still will have this guaranteed minimum cash value growth based on the interest inside the policy. So the other thing I want to mention with this is while dividends are not guaranteed, the companies we work with have paid dividends for over 100 plus years, even through the Great Depression. And so we're looking at strong, stable companies that are able to keep their word. Now, lastly, we want to touch on liquidity. How is the cash value inside a whole life insurance contract liquid and available for you to use? There's a key distinction that we want to make here that is not the same thing as using your money or paying cash. If you have cash value inside of a policy, you do not take out your cash value to use it you request a loan from the life insurance company 
And this is a hassle-free loan. You are not required to qualify for it. You don't have to prove that you're going to pay it back at a certain rate. You don't have to prove anything. You have access to be able to utilize that money as a policy owner with the first priority access to use that cash value. So you request a loan from the life insurance company. That loan then puts a lien or a hold against a portion of your cash value. But here's the thing. It doesn't remove the cash value. So all of your cash value continues to grow, earning interest and dividends, not just the portion that's not borrowed against. Now, when you repay that loan, you will pay interest to the life insurance company. But as you repay that loan, the lien is removed from your cash value, making it available again for you to use in another venture. So on two sides, you have hassle-free borrowing and hassle-free paying back because you can pay back with unstructured payments however you choose to. And now we always recommend having a payoff strategy that you know you have the cash flow available to pay off that loan in a reasonable time frame, but that's going to be something you hold yourself to, not the insurance company. Bruce, is there anything you wanted to add to the portion about liquidity? Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed is this is about how you think. And unfortunately, a lot of people like this idea, but they still can't get around the fact that they are borrowing money from the insurance company and not just going to their savings account at the bank and taking the money out of the bank. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I tell them, hey, if you want, if you wanted to take your your cash value out and not take a loan against against the cash value, we can do that too. That is by contract, you can just take your cash value out. Now, when you do that, it does affect the death benefit, but more importantly, what you already talked about is you stop earning interest and dividends on that portion of the cash value that you've removed. But I just wanted to bring that up because that does show the flexibility of the contract for those people who, because I hear this all the time and Rachel, you do too. It's, you know, I just don't, I just right. don't want to oh, loan. Do. I just don't want to be in debt. And we're, and we're, mm-hmm. and we say, well, it, you're really not in debt because the reason that this loan is coming from the insurance company is because they have your cash value as collateral. So if you take $10,000 from it, they earmark 10000 as collateral. And so at any time, they could just say, well, we're, we're taking that $10,000 and now your loan is paid off, but your cash value is going to drop by $10,000. So you're truly right. not in debt. It's like going to your house again and saying, hey, I have $100,000 of equity in my house. I would like a loan against the equity in my house. It's a very similar situation. Exactly. And so I I love that you brought in, there's multiple ways to use that cash value, but the primary one that gives you the most advantage is not going to reset your compound interest. You're going to continue earning that uninterrupted compound growth on all of your cash value. So as we conclude today's episode, I hope that you've thought differently about how to utilize life insurance. And again, Nelson Nash mentioned in a previous episode that 
this is almost misclassified. It's not specifically for the insurance purpose. We're utilizing an insurance product that absolutely has a death benefit and has a protection component to it. But what we're focusing on is how do we maximize the living benefits? How do we maximize what I can use during my lifetime? And that's why we're talking with you about this privatized banking strategy and system that you can use. So tragically, so many people get hung up on the word life insurance that they never open their mind enough to explore that multifunctional and transformative use of this premium tool of the wealthy. So in conclusion, as we tie all these pieces together, why is it a better place to store my cash? Well, I get higher tax-free growth than any other liquid asset that we've found up to this point. Could that change in the future? Maybe. But at this point in our research, this is the, the greatest use for storing liquid capital. How does it put me in control? I have safety and liquidity, and that puts me in a position of control and confidence, knowing that I'm not going to be scrambling trying to find cash if I need it. How does it improve my financial efficiency? Well, it's one of the best tools of the wealthy that we've seen used for the last 150 years to store liquid capital, giving them the benefits of safety, liquidity, and growth, allowing them to borrow against their capital, using other people's money, and keeping their own. So how does this speed up your path to time and money freedom? How is it that peanut butter to the cash flow sandwich? Well, it shrinks your tap, your tax, it shrinks your risk and your cost of capital, as well as your opportunity cost. It provides that banking function to minimize your finance costs. And then it improves your access to capital for opportunities. This is why privatized banking is that golden key that improves every other area of your financial life. And again, that all translates to this peace of mind so that you can perform at your highest level in your life and business. And Rachel, so, you know, as we conclude, I hear this over and over again when I present this, people say, this is great, but I wish I would have done this 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Because we, we say all the time, how much you have depends on how much you put into it and how soon you start. However, I tell people, well, we can't change what's what happened 10 years ago, but what we can change is to make sure another 10 years don't go by before you say, oh, I'm going to start. So don't let another 10 years go by before you look at a strategy that can help you uh, take the banking function into your own hands. Absolutely. And so as you're listening today, you could be in many different positions in your financial life. If you're saying this is interesting to me and I want to get more information, I would encourage you to do your research. If you would like to get our free 15-minute crash course, you can go to themoneyadvantage.com and we have a download for you as well as a free video course where you can learn more about this concept and see how to utilize it in your life. You can also email us with your questions at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to be working through a series on the mechanics of specially designed life insurance and how to use it. And so if you have specific questions, we would love to be able to use those and and answer your questions during an episode in the future. I also want to encourage you to start before you're ready. Bruce, you just mentioned that sometimes we feel like we should have already started a long time ago. 
one of the things that you can do right now is you can put in place convertible term insurance that you can later convert into whole life insurance. And that's a way to make sure that you lock in your ability to utilize this concept, even if you haven't fully done all your research yet. Now, if you're already saving each month, but you want a better tool that's going to give you higher tax exempt growth, greater accessibility, let us help you determine how to implement this strategy in your own life and improve every other area of your financial life with this one simple move. We can help you determine if you're a fit for this strategy. So you can contact us by visiting our contact page on themoneyadvantage.com or emailing hello at themoneyadvantage.com. In closing, thank you for being with us today on this episode. We've covered a lot of ground. I'm sure you have questions. There's a lot of previous episodes you can use to, um, to follow along with many of the concepts that we've talked about today. But in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.